0: You are listening to Here Now Podcast, where we dive deep into faith, hearing loss, and lifestyle, and talk about all the things that you need to be equipped in this journey we call life. I'm your host, Sophia Labano, and this show is here for you to find encouragement in the everyday life that God created for you. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. Thanks for your support. Now let's get into the show. Hi friends, how are you on this week's episode of Here Now Podcast? I am so excited to have Nina on the show. We are going to talk about all things hearing loss and survivor, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear this show. Um, But don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating, leave a review. And if you don't already follow me on Instagram, all of those links will be down in the show notes below. But without further ado, let's just jump into the episode. Hi, Nina. Thank you so much for being here. I am so, so excited. It's been a really long time we've known each other but this is the first time we've actually like talked and been able to sit down and record so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are where you're from what you do things you want the listeners to know
1: hi i'm so excited to be here too well i live in southern california so we have wonderful weather here and i've been able to uh just continue to do lots of outdoor activities and stuff like that you know in my free time I am an avid runner, so I do a lot of running. I do a lot of working out and stuff like that. I like to read. I don't know, I like to binge watch certain shows on TV. Anyways, I do some volunteer work with the Cochlear Americas, which has been uh, really rewarding lately. It hasn't been quite as busy, but you know, that's a big part of my life being able to do the volunteer work with Cochlear Americas, because I really like helping people figure out if they want an implant or not, or help them uh, ease into, you know, making that decision and letting them know how it was for me when I first, uh, you know, got the implant and stuff like that. So that's just been a really big part of my life, as well as just advocating for the hearing loss community and educating people on hearing loss and what it's like for us, because I think that there's a lot of people that just don't really understand. And it's just, just something really close to my heart, you know,
0: yeah, absolutely. And as a little backstory, we actually met because um, I was getting my first implant surgery. I think this was back in like 2016. I had to have been, or maybe it was even before that. And my mom found you because you were on Survivor, which we will talk about in a little bit. But you also have hearing loss and As somebody who was older and getting implants, my mom was like, I need somebody who has this connection and could really talk about losing their hearing after having it for so long. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? How old were you when you lost your hearing and how you felt? Just kind of what was the process of that for you?
1: Okay, so I was 44 when I completely lost my hearing. It started. I started losing it probably when I was 39, and I really wasn't even sure that I was I didn't actually know I was losing my hearing. It was just one of those things where my husband started mumbling and I'm like, what is going on? You're mumbling. And he's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, yes, you are because I can understand all my girlfriends talking, but I can't understand you. So what it was, I went to and got a hearing test done and I was losing um, my hearing and it was men. I, it was those low tones, right? They thought that I was having difficult, um, difficulty understanding him because he was a man so I didn't have a lot of men around I guess and I was I didn't realize that so anyways at 39 um, they told me I had some hearing loss it wasn't a lot in it and they said I could benefit from a hearing aid I decided against it because I already wore it's really weird but I mean I wore contacts and I thought you know that's just one more thing on my plate I have to do at night before I go to bed wash my face do my contacts all this stuff so I thought no I can hear good enough for now and then fast forward about four years, it was like, okay, this is just getting to where I, I'm having difficulty now hearing everybody. And I went to a different audiologist. This time I went to a doctor of audiology, which I highly recommend for people because I think they just, they aren't there to try to sell you hearing aids, like your you know, your hearing places. And so anyways, I went to this doctor and he said, we tried two or three different hearing aids, nothing was working. And I'm like, this isn't working. Instead of clarifying and and making the voices clear, all I heard was just loud mumbles. So that's when I decided um, I could probably benefit from cochlear implant. And the way I found out about the cochlear implant, I do have a blog, nanaparsh.com. So I do talk about this in my blog. I was watching a soap opera and one of the actresses on their son got a cochlear implant. And this was way back when it was fairly new, right? And I don't even think she, insurance covered it at the time. And I thought, wow, he's really lucky because he has his parent that has money that can do this for him. Anyway, so I knew about the cochlear implant and the doctor told me I would benefit from that. He was a little nervous. I might not qualify, so he said he would write letters for me if I needed. So, anyways, I went to House Ear Clinic in Los Angeles, and I asked to be tested. So, this is where advocating comes in. is really important for yourself. They told me that they didn't think I would qualify because my hearing test from this doctor didn't show I would qualify. And I said, no, I think you're wrong. I called my insurance and I said, I want to be tested for cochlear implants. Can you write up a referral? So they did. I went back to the clinic and I said, okay, I want to be tested. And they were real hesitant and said, you're not going to qualify, but okay, fine, we'll do it. And maybe this will just be a marker for in six months. Well, I went in made my appointment went in got tested they told me it'd take about 2 hours told my husband go have lunch or something luckily he did not listen to me because i went into the sound booth to be tested and within 5 minutes they came back and i thought for sure oh, okay i didn't qualify you know and they said you qualify so you know even though this was back when the qualifications were really stricter than they are now they've kind of eased up on them a little bit even though I could technically hear, it was my word recognition that was really bad. I mean, I was only grasping maybe 5%. So you figure out of a hundred words, if you're only picking up about five of them, you're not going to hear what people are saying. The rest, it just all sounds mumbly. Those, maybe those five words you pick up, you don't even hear them. So I, I always tell people, you know, you need to sometimes advocate for yourself and don't let someone tell you that, no, you don't qualify or, No, we're not going to test you because we don't think you qualify. Don't let someone else make that decision for you. Just kind of push and, you know, do what you need to do. But anyway, so I went ahead and I got my first implant. I think it's been about 13 years now and it was great. I didn't get a second one. I waited, I think six or seven years before I got my second one because I had residual hearing left. And it was a security blanket for me because I could still, if someone talked loud enough without my processor on, I could still hear them. And then I could still hear knocking on doors and stuff like that. So it was kind of a security blanket. Well, one day I was in the shower and I couldn't hear the water hit my head anymore. And I thought, I think it might be time to get the second implant. And at that point in my life is when I was I was um, interviewing for survivors, so I, I wasn't for sure to get on the show, but I thought maybe I ought to get the second implant because if I did get on the show, two, you know, two hearing two hearing ears are better than one. So I went ahead and got the second one, and then I thought, why would I wait to get the second one? So when people talk to me and ask me about going bilateral, I always tell them, you know, it's amazing how much better you hear being bilateral, all of a sudden it just opens up a whole new world, you know. So that's when I got my second one. And so life's been pretty good since then.
0: Yeah, I remember after I got my first implant in 2016, I was like, I'm never going through the surgery again. This was awful. I was so sick. I was like, you know, recovery was painful. And then I got it. I was like, why am I waiting any longer? Like, let's do it. And so 18 months later, I was back in the hospital for my second surgery. And it's been life changing to have both. And it just feels like surround sound. And it's just, it's so cool to experience things that You would've never heard if you didn't go through with it. And I think I remember the first time I heard the clock tick, it was the most annoying sound I've ever heard in my life. And that hearing life was only a little bit short. And I was like, this is really, really painful. So we still have that clock, it's still in my room, but it's, it's really annoying still. So how did you find community because you were going through this kind of at a later point in life when a lot of these people who weren't getting implants were usually babies or younger kids. Who did you kind of surround yourself with to find that community feeling?
1: You know, I have to be honest, and not a whole lot has changed in my life. Most of the people who are around me are the same people who have been around me the whole time. <laughs> I do find it difficult when I make meet new people because I am older, and I lost my hearing when I was older, so my speech is pretty clear and and people don't really understand that I don't always hear them, especially when there's a crowd of people, it makes it really difficult. And I think sometimes when I meet new people, it's intimidating for them because they don't know how to react to me or how to be around me or what they need to do to kind of help me. I call myself kind of a high maintenance friend now because... I now require some people to repeat. And I mean, there's some people in my life, it's pretty amazing that don't want to repeat themselves all the time. So they just make sure they get it right. The first time my husband is not one of them. I tell him all the time, you know, well, so-and-so talks nice and clear and slow to me so she doesn't have to repeat. But obviously you like repeating yourself all the time. He doesn't seem to mind, but you know, it's kind of crazy. So the friends that I've made since losing my hearing are really special to me because they didn't know me before. They had to get to know me now and they stuck by me and they understand kind of the special things that I need so that I can hear them better, whether it's on the phone or just in person or we go out for lunch or anything like that. So, you know, I just, it's still, it still can be difficult Especially when I'm in a the, in the crowd, you know, and I do use um, some of my special things that I get with my implant, like the mini microphone. And now, do you have the M7? I do, yeah. Okay, so you know what the forward focus is. Yes. Okay, so I had, I had like the, I don't even, was it the Freedom Processor maybe? Probably. And then I had the M5 for just a few months, and then I had the M6, and now I have the M7. So I'm still... And I've had the N7 now for, I guess, a year, over a year. Yeah. But I'm still trying to remember to use forward focus. But it's like the greatest thing, isn't it? Yeah. When you're I, in crowded places.
0: Yeah. I Honestly, I never remember to use it either. But every now and then I, I press it. I'm like,
1: oh, this is really nice.
0: Like, that's really great. It's, I should use this. Also, <laughs> and
1: you should do it sometime when there's a lot of noise behind you. Because it is the weirdest thing. The forward focus, you hear everything in front, right? And you turn around and you're like, whoa, there's stuff behind me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the mini mic, if it's really gets bad, I might turn the mini mic on and I just hand it. And, and my friends actually have fun with it. They, you know, they'll go ahead. Can you hear me now? And talk yeah. it, like that. So It does really come in handy. So the nice thing about the, uh, the cochlear implanting, especially with cochlear Americas is they give you a lot of tools to help you when you're, you know, out and about. So, but anyways, back to your question. I just, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I have some really cool people in my life. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. It's like, once you find those good people, you're like, you just want to stick with them for so long. And I've met so many amazing people, and I'm sure you have too, online and not just in person, and finding those communities of people who are kind of going through the same thing that we are and are struggling to find this community, which is why Facebook groups and things like that have been so transformative for a lot of people. And from all over the world, like you just, you meet people from all different walks of life and that's just been the coolest thing. And so I have to know, how did you decide between Cochlear Advanced Bionics? What was available to you
1: when you were making the decision? I had two choices um, with my uh, clinic. I went to was Cochlear Americas and Advanced Bionics. My husband's an engineer. So he looked at it from an engineer's viewpoint Whereas I kind of looked at it as what feels comfortable on my ear. And I liked the way cochlear felt on my ear. And my husband was like, well, I'm glad you're picking them because from an engineer's point of view, I would have told you you need to go with cochlear. So, I mean, it was, it was kind of, he kind of really helped me with that because I, I'm not an engineer I, I am more of a creative thinker. He's more of a logical thinker, but I'm glad I did. I just think, I think they're a great company and I've gotten to know some of the people that work there. You know, my engagement manager actually just moved to Colorado and took on a different job with Cochlear. So she's not engagement manager anymore, but I learned a lot from her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it was really nice as a volunteer, I went on different uh, meetings with her when people wanted to talk to somebody that h- had lost their hearing and got a cochlear implant that maybe we were the same age and we kind of had the same story so that they could ask me questions and stuff like that. So that was really nice. But yeah, that's kind of how I got cochlear
0: yeah, yeah. I always kind of was struggling with the decision, and I had Medel as another option there, but none of them seemed as pretty and aesthetically pleasing as Cochlear did. And plus, all of the technology compatibility and all of those things that they had, it just seemed so fun. And as a younger kid, I was like, I want all of this like cool spy equipment, and it just looked really fun. And now, like, I'm so grateful for the N7 because it's been life changing to just stream Bluetooth to your ears and nobody has to know. And that's been amazing. (laughs) Even though people see me walking through the stores just kind of talking out into the air and like, what are you doing? Like, it's just the funniest thing but I've also been super grateful for cochlear and every time I go to my audiologist they have a little pamphlet with your face there (laughs) it's always the coolest thing to see so I love that and so kind of going off of that how has it been navigating the pandemic with hearing loss because I know for me it's been a struggle
1: it is a struggle one thing I have learned is not to take things personal because sometimes it's really easy to be out and about and take things personal uh because not everybody understands hearing loss uh they don't understand that you read lips and i am not a great lip reader but between the lips and what i hear i can pick up what people are saying you know so it's been a struggle i would say 90 percent of the time when i ask someone to pull their mask down if they need to talk to me just real quick they will and then you have that 5% of the people that say they can't. And then I just say, well, can you write it on a piece of paper? And, and of course, they, I've had some people get really mad at me when I ask them to do that. And I'm like, well, either you're going to have to do that or we're not going to be able to communicate. And they get really mad. I can be kind of vindictive because when they get mad, I mean, I can even with a mascot, I can pretty much pick up everything. But there's sometimes those important words that you miss and you kind of need that one word to fill in the blank. Well, they'll start writing and then I can see what they're going to say because I've already picked up the rest of it. Like I said, this is the vindictive side of me. So if they got mad at me because they have to write. I wait until they write the whole complete sentence up and then I answer them and then they have to write a whole other sentence up. And I thought, you know what, if you just could have been nice about it, maybe I wouldn't have make you do this, but oh, well, but anyways, it's been, it is, it is a struggle, you know? Uh, I wish... There were more clear masks out there that people could use. It's, but you know what, like I said, it's, it is a struggle, but I think as a person who has hearing loss and uses a cochlear implant, I, I just learned to adapt and just not take things personal and try to just figure out on my own what I need to do. And I hate to be someone that has to rely on other people. So you know, I just work really hard at trying to pay attention to what they're saying or, you know, whatever. But again, like I said, probably, you know, 95% of the people are very accommodating. You know, you're in the store, they have that plexiglass thing. It's like, just pull it down for a second and tell me what you're saying. You know, most of the time it, my husband's with me. He just tells me, you know, he'll pull his mask down and tell me, you know. So it, it is a struggle. Definitely. It, it is a struggle.
0: I I would say the same. One of the things I've noticed is I've become, become more tired after I'm out and about for the day because it's just like you're straining to hear what other people are saying to you, which has been a struggle for sure. But working from home, doing school from home, it's kind of like, the best of both worlds. You only have to go out when you choose, <laughs> which is nice. But that's also kind of a transition to my next question is what's a, a reform you kind of hope will be enacted for people with hearing loss, regardless of the pandemic. I can think of so many things off the top of my head, but I would love to hear what your thoughts are.
1: Okay. What I thought about this. What I would like to see happen is a better diversity training in regards to hearing loss. And I say that because When I go, like, say the bank, I had a big issue with the bank. You know, you tell someone when you're out and about and you're at stores or, you know, doctor's offices or whatever, and you tell someone, I'm sorry, I read lips and you look down and I couldn't tell what you were saying. And they either get angry or some people laugh because they think that when you say, I I'm deaf that, they're, that you're joking because it is, you know, people use that as a joke. Oh, he's so deaf he can't hear, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But I wish that the diversity training can include more hearing loss instructions so that when someone says, I'm sorry, I can't hear you, I'm deaf. And you say it with a very serious tone that they understand you are serious and you're not just joking about being deaf because there's been several times my husband's been with me and and he's like no no she's really serious and then I show him my my sound processor and then it's like instead of being a one minute transaction with the cashier it's turned into a 10 minute discussion which all these people behind me are all mad because I'm like talking too long but anyways I think that there was better diversity training and I actually talked to my bank about this and and people understand more about deaf community or hearing loss community and how we do struggle and we have to pay attention to what people are saying to us if they understood a little bit better that it could help everybody you know not only the person that's struggling to hear but also the person that you're interacting with so there's not a lot of back and forth going on you know i had i went to the post office it was a satellite post office And the the lady kept looking down and I kept telling her, I'm serious. I really do need to read your lips. And she got really angry with me about that. And it was her and her husband and her husband came out and told me I was never allowed to come back in there again, because I got angry with her for getting angry with me. And I was like, you know what, forget it. This place is like, is terrible anyways. So it's not always a fun situation. And I, I, I think diverse, better diversity training in the hearing loss sector would be an advantage, like I said, not just to the hearing loss uh, community, but also to the, you know, everyone else that's got to interact with us.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. And that is such a good point. And You know, that's definitely would have been applicable to all of this during the pandemic, for sure. But I think just when you go out, you're just in a world that's made for hearing, not a a world made for hearing loss. And so just the general compassion of people, it's just... That's something that everybody needs to advocate for, regardless of what disability you have. And just being super understanding and patience for people is just so necessary right now. But just finding those little things that you can do and going out of your way, especially for businesses and for people, just go out of your way to try and be accommodating. You know, if it is, repeating something two or three times, if necessary, don't get frustrated because then it makes us feel bad. And just doing those little things for us that will really make... difference because who knows we're gonna talk about it on a podcast or a blog or something and we're gonna make sure that everybody knows about that so that's been that's been super important for me so all great points and I love that so before we talk about survivor which I'm super excited to discuss do you have any tips for people who are um, newly diagnosed with hearing loss or somebody who has been diagnosed and is struggling what would you give advice to them
1: Oh, gosh. I would say to just, you know, advocate for yourself. Just keep pushing forward. Don't feel like it's the end of the world because there are answers for you out there. If you need, you know, sign up for these Facebook pages or community meetings with the hearing loss community. I definitely would I mean, I just would tell people don't give up because there is always um, some answer out there for you, whether it's, you know, hearing aids, stronger hearing aids, uh, cochlear implants, and find out the difference between all of the different technology. You know, it just, I mean, just don't give up. Just always. Plug forward. I mean, my big motto, you know, is follow your dreams. You know, don't ever feel like that you can't. And advocate for yourself and don't get discouraged. You'll find that a lot of people will be frustrated with you and may not want to do the things you need in order to make your life better. So at that point, I think you just have to find it within yourself to do what you need to do to have a happy life. And don't you know rely on everyone around you to do that and I think that's what I've done you know I when people get frustrated with me it's been so long now uh, that I've had hearing loss that I just don't even pay attention to them anymore you know sometimes when you ignore somebody they hate that even more it's almost like sometimes when they say you ask somebody to repeat and they just say never mind I say oh it must not have been important And later on, you know, this might be a family member or something, and they might say, well, I told you. And I'm like, oh, it was probably one of those times you told me when you said never mind and I didn't hear you. So, oh, well, you know, I mean, just kind of just give it back to them so they kind of see what it's like. I mean, I know it sounds really bad, but sometimes that's what makes me happy. And so that's what I do. But I do. I just have this thing about not letting someone get me down, you know, so. You know, in the beginning, when you first have hearing loss, it's really easy to kind of feel sorry for yourself. And that's okay, too, because, you know, it is a, it is a loss. It's a big loss. And, it, it is, and that's perfectly fine. But then once you understand what's going on and, and you uh, accept it at that point, you just need to go forward and do what you need to do, you know, to... Uh, be happy in your life, you know, whether it's get an implant or whatever decision you decide for yourself, you just need to make sure that you make yourself happy. And you're not doing things to make others happy with your hearing loss, because otherwise, you'll never be happy with with, you know, yourself and what's happened and your hearing loss and stuff. So that's kind of what I did was I decided, I don't care what everyone else around me feels in regards to my hearing loss. I need to make sure I'm happy. And once I did that, and every it seemed like everyone around me just accepted, okay, this is what she's how she is, and this is what we're going to do. And you just go on with your life at that point.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about the acceptance, because I had always struggled with that, especially being diagnosed and kind of going through it so young where a lot of my classmates are like, oh, we have to make an accommodation for you and, like, having to struggle with that. But I was not, I wasn't even at peace with it myself. And I was like, yeah, I guess I just got to go with what they say and say no closed captions. Like, I guess I can't because it's bothersome to them. So, once I moved into high school and kind of started to understand, like, the value that having hearing loss has, like, meeting amazing people and, Getting to do all these fun things and stuff, that's when everybody else around me also started to be like, Okay, like it's maybe it's not so bad. Like, hey, if we go with her, we get free movie tickets. Like it's just it's just all of those like perks and stuff and just starting to understand the value and the compassion that people need to have for you and value you is just It's been a life changer for me. So I think that's such great advice. And so now the part that I've been waiting to talk to you about is Survivor. I can't believe that you're on Survivor. And I want you to talk about your experience, all the highs, all the lows, and going through it with hearing loss, all of those things. What season number were you?
1: On season 30 of Survivor, which was titled Worlds Apart. So we were separated through tribes. You had your white collar tribe your blue-collar tribe, and then they called us the red-collar tribe, meaning we didn't belong to white or blue. And it was funny because pre-show, they do a lot of interviews with you, and they uh, they really made me believe that, I mean, I didn't know it was going to be white-collar, blue-collar, no-collar, but they, thinking back, made me believe I would be on a blue-collar tribe, but I wasn't. So when uh, they announced it, when we were standing there, I was like, okay. Whatever, my frame of mind, I've always been in a white collar type of job setting where I've been a manager and, you know, that sales and stuff like that. So it was a struggle for me being with people who didn't have the same type of mindset that I had, which, you know, they're always looking for that kind of controversy on that show anyways. So it it, it was, it was a crazy experience. And, you know, one of the reasons I even did Survivor, I did not apply for the show. I watched, I've watched it ever since season one, the very first episode, but I did not apply for the show, but they came and asked me if I wanted to do the show. So it was a long process and it took a couple of years before they finally put me on the show. And I actually, I think I had a panic attack. I didn't even realize until later that's what was happening. But I, I had only lost my hearing about seven years when I was on the show So I was really nervous about going out there with all these people I did not know and not having my security blanket of my husband and my family being with me. So there was a point where I just said, I I can't do this. And they talked me into doing it anyways. Um, But it was, it was, it was hard because it was a scary thing for me and I decided um I actually called a friend and said you know I just don't even know if I can do this and she said well when that season airs are you going to be upset you're not there and I said yeah and she goes well there's your answer so uh part of it was wanting to get out there and and advocating or showing people that Even though I had hearing loss, I had a cochlear implant and I can hear and I can do things just like a person with normal hearing can do. So while I was out there, I mean, there were several things that never even played on on the season, but they asked me a lot of questions about what I was doing with my sound processor and changing batteries and all that kind of stuff. And they did let me explain to my tribe uh, my hearing loss and stuff right in the very first um, episode. And, you know, I I mean, that was a good and bad thing. I mean, it was good that I could tell them I could hear. It was bad because they didn't believe me that I could hear. Not everybody on my tribe believed me. So I had to tell them because at this point I had my hair in a ponytail and they could see I had something on my ears and I felt like I needed to say something. Would I change it? Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. But I mean, I was on the beach maybe five minutes after, you know, we went, I went through and told him about that when I had one of my tribe members come up to me and asked me if I could even do challenges. And I thought, well, what do you mean? Can I even do challenges? And he's like, well, you know, because you can't hear. And I said, no, I can hear. And he said, well, what about when we do the challenges where they call out? And I said, well, then I'm the caller because I would make a great caller. I take my processors off. I can't hear my voice. I will be really loud. And the other two tribes are going to be really mad because I'm going to be talking over them. He never did believe that throughout the, you know, eight days that I was out there, but you know, that was just one of the things it was a learning lesson, you know, it's a learning lesson that people truly don't understand cochlear implants. And we may not hear as well, because the clarity and all the background noise might cause us not to hear as well, but um, we can hear and we can function. And we're, you know, people just like, you know, you, anybody, you know, that is hearing. So it was a life changing experience. That is so crazy. I can't believe people
0: like didn't believe you. I mean, I've experienced that myself too, but just in that capacity, that's just so heartbreaking that, And then be like, oh, well, you didn't break your arm, even though you're wearing a cast. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. So I guess, how did you deal with having, you know, battery changes and keeping your processor on? Was that a struggle? Or was it something you kind of just adapted and just figured out along the way?
1: Well, before I even did the show and agreed to go on, I told them that I was going to need accommodations and that I wouldn't do the show without certain accommodations, And they said, 100%, whatever you need and whatever you want, we will provide it for you. So basically, I use rechargeable batteries in my processors. And at that point, I just said, I'm going to use disposables. And I actually talked to my engagement manager at the time and said, hey, listen, I think I might be going on this show Survivor. And I just, you know, I wanted her to know that I might be on there and that I might be able to... You know, promote cochlear America's, you know, a little bit, but anyway, so she was really excited for me and she made sure I had everything I needed to be on the show. I mean, uh, Aqua Plus, some extra batteries, you know, whatever I needed. So, her and I kind of talked about okay, these are this is what it's going to be like kind of like camping. What would you take if you were camping? So they, I had batteries accessible to me anytime. The Aqua Plus, of course, you know, you have to have a rechargeable battery. So I see, we saw the doctor every three days for challenges. So I talked to the doctor and said, these are the things that I need. And he just made sure he brought me a rechargeable fully charged rechargeable battery every three days so I could have it in case I needed it. Now, if, if I needed it sooner, I just told a producer I needed it sooner and they would bring it out for me. So they pretty were very accommodating in regards to that. So, I mean, it really, it, I had no thought process in it at all. I, I had everything all planned out ahead of time. One nice advantage I had over some of the other girls is the little hair ties for your hair. You only got like five. So when they go through all your stuff before the game starts, they're like, oh, you only get five of these. And I'm like, oh, no, I need more than that. And they're like, why? And I said, well, because when I put my hair in a ponytail, it holds my processors on my head." And they're like, well, how many do you need? And I said, I don't know all of them that I brought. And they're like, okay. So they stuck all of them in my thing. So, you know, when I got voted out, the two girls were not very nice to me on my tribe. And I thought, hmm, that's too bad because I would have given you guys all my hair ties, but I guess you're not getting any now. I mean, one girl had short hair. I don't even, well, I guess she did put it up sometimes. But, you know, it was really good because they did accommodate me in regards to my implants in any way possible. You know, one thing when I went on, the mini mic had not come out yet. It didn't come out until after I got back. So I'm sure I would have got my mini mic when I was out there also because I would have said to tell him, look, I need this to hear better. And, you know, it it was funny because my engagement manager and I were talking about it because it had already been released in Canada. It's like, is there any way you can get this for me? Because it would really be a plus. And I could have, like, you know, strategically placed it. You know, so I could hear people talking, but oh, well, that didn't happen. So if anyone goes on the show after that, has cochlear implants, I would say, make sure you take the mini bike because you never know when you might come in handy. (laughs) 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 That is so true. I use it to my advantage
0: sometimes. And that's, we're just, we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> but no, I feel like that is just such a cool experience to go through that. And just to be able to show people that you can still do all of this stuff without any, you know, worries, limitations or anything. So what was the biggest life lesson that you took away from being a survivor with hearing loss? I would say,
1: you know, again, it all goes to that. Don't take things personal, because I think sometimes when you take things personal from other people that don't understand, it brings you down and it can, you know, it can cause you to go into a depression and that's not always a good place to be. So I think that my big takeaway was not to take things personal, you know, because I could have very easily taken things personal. And I think if you watch my season, you'll see me taking things personal because I did So, you know, when it's happening to you at the moment, you don't even realize it's a life lesson until you get out of that situation and you, you know, look back on it. I kept a journal uh, the whole pregame. So for six or seven days of my pregame, I had a journal. And then I was, I only lasted eight days. When I came out of it, I, I have two books, little journal books full of my feelings and my thoughts and stuff like that. So I think that my big takeaway is just don't, you know, life is short and you got to enjoy it and just don't take things personal. Just kind of look at the person who doesn't understand as a person who just doesn't understand there. They may get it. They may not get it. It depends on how close you are to that person. If they're in your really close circle, a really good friend or a family member that you see or talk to a lot, eventually they get it. I have a lot of people like that in my life and they understand, but those people who are more like acquaintances and they're, Um, In your circle, but at the outer fringe there, maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't, you know, and if they don't, you know, it's just what it is. And you just have to, you know, not take it so personal.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest life lesson I will take away from this is just acceptance in all stages of life. So I think this is super inspiring. And I'm so happy that we could connect and record and be able to share your story with everybody. So the last thing I wanted to ask is where can people connect with you on social media and otherwise?
1: Well, I'm on Facebook. And I think I'm the only Nina Persh on Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram, and I think it might be the Nina Persh because there was another Nina Persh on there. Um, and I want it to be the Nina Persh. And then I'm on Twitter, and I think I'm just Nina Persh on Twitter. I don't go on Twitter very often, and I've been trying to get into it a little bit more. I have a blog that I have not written on probably in two years, and I really need to because I have all these ideas of the things I want. To, to write about. And that's Nina Perch Duck. So anybody, anybody that's wanting to read some of my story, I, at one point I wanted to write a book, but I'm just not a writer. And I was having, I already have people editing my, my blog for me. And I thought, gosh, if I have to do a book, it's just going to be too much. So I didn't write a whole lot about my hearing loss on my blog, but I'm going to start doing that now because I've decided a book is just going to be too hard. So there are some things on there that, Um, are good for people with hearing loss, just to kind of read about, you know, things that I've gone through and what I did in regards to my hearing loss. I try to be very positive, even though I want people to understand that as positive and uplifting and inspiring you can be, you still are going to have your down days. And that's okay, because it's perfectly fine to have those down days. And it's perfectly fine to to feel a little bad or a little depressed and stuff like that. That's perfectly fine. And just don't let that be your whole life. Just kind of try to learn from those instances so that you can turn it around. Because I think the most important thing in life is to be happy and follow your dreams. And I tell people too that You know, you can have dreams and you can set goals and it's okay if you never reach them, that's okay. So what you do at that point is maybe reassess and find a new dream or figure out a way you can still achieve that dream. But even if you don't, don't let that get you down because it doesn't mean you're a failure. A failure is when you don't try. As long as you try, then you're never a failure. You're always a successful person or I can't think of the word, but you know what I'm saying.
0: Yes, I do. No, that is so inspiring. I love that. And one of the, you know, mottos that I always say is failure doesn't define you, it refines you. And so just let it keep going and just it's okay to fall down as long as you get back up again. So I think that is so inspiring and I'm so happy that we are able to put out this inspiring message to people. So thank you so, so, so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy for everybody to hear this episode. And hopefully if you have any questions, feel free to send nina a message she's always open to messages and again thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of here now podcast don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review on the show follow me on instagram and find nina on all of her socials in the links down below without further ado i'm going to close out this episode thank you guys for listening and we will see you back next time on here now podcast bye guys